I'm joined this morning by Tom Lloyd, and Tom is the head of SAP Factors for Switzerland. Tom, you're very welcome to the podcast. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me. Uh, Tom, you're based, you're based in Switzerland, is that right? Yes, I recently moved to Zurich. Yeah, right. but you're from Germany originally. Yes, I grew up in Germany and I spent most of my life in Germany. That's true, yeah. And I saw on your profile that you went to college in Hanover. Are you from northern part of Germany? Yes, actually, I'm from the northern part of Germany, a bit more near the Dutch border. So I grew up in a small town there, about 30,000 inhabitants, uh, very rural, so to say. I moved then to Hanover to, to study at the university. I uh, had a brief time in San Diego, so uh, studying in San Diego uh, and then moving back to, to Germany. And then I have been in a couple of towns and now moved across the border, across uh, to Switzerland. Tell me what kind of childhood it was like growing up in a small town uh, in that part of Germany? I had a very nice childhood. My uh, my mother is an elementary teacher. Uh, my father is also in sales um, in the automotive industry. So I, I grew up in a very nice town. My, my grandfather was actually our mayor. So um, yeah, very deeply rooted into the into this uh, city and into the life there. But then after, I think after graduating, I wanted to, uh, to see more of the world and moved uh, step by step farther away. Do you think that uh, inspiration to go see the world and explore comes from growing up in a small place that if you were grew up maybe in a larger place there'd be more stimulus more to see and maybe that might dampen the enthusiasm i'm just curious because i had the same experience myself growing up in a small town wanting then to burst out and see the world yeah i feel i feel it's a generational thing it's uh, it has mainly to do with possibilities because the uh, generation of my parents, uh, they all stayed and they all stayed within the city border, so to say, or 50 kilometers around the city. Um, and my um, friends and uh, my um, generation, we, we felt like this is our time to explore the world because it now was possible to travel across, to spend a year abroad, to go to universities in other countries. And um, this possibility uh, was kind of luring us out of this nice little quiet town uh, so we we moved out and uh, explored the world it's interesting you said you said your father was in sales do you think that influenced your decision to go into the business because you started out in sales yeah i started out in sales and quite the contrary because i did not want to do the same thing like my parents did. I did not want to do thing, the same thing that my family did. So I um, explored something completely new, which was the field of communication and public relations. Um, yeah, and I, from that, uh, I, I grew into the sales job because uh, I think it's not really common to, to pursue a sales career right from the start of your, your career. There is no university degree that you can pursue it out of except for business uh, degrees uh, and um, being in sales was for me more a type of personality thing that I decided actively to do after I was finished with university and I had the possibilities of the real job market at hand and then uh, was a willingly decision to go there. Mm. And, and I noticed also that you went through the SAP Academy which I, I had heard about from people I know worked in SAP and I want to maybe talk a little bit about later on in the context of having a structured rotational type program to accelerate people into the world of sales. Not every, very few companies have it. They might have an onboarding program, but they certainly don't have anything like the SAP Academy. 
but before I get into that, just when were you an ambitious person when you were younger? Do you think? Um, I was ambitious in the in the topic that I wanted to what I was doing. I wanted to do right, and I wanted to know how the game works, whether it university or the school or any kind of other uh, activity. I wanted to know the rules, and then I wanted to follow and excel in the rules, so to say, to to make the best out of it. And this is this started in in school, and then I went to university. I wanted to play the game if I'm in the game, and then I wanted to do it right. I don't want it to be just in there for floating along. Um, so kind of ambitious, but in a more intrinsic way, not on a extrinsic way to, to beat the others, but make the best of what I had at hand. Mm. Are you an eldest child by any chance? I'm an only child. Only, okay, that is just, <laughs> I just the language even you're using about the, the game and the rules, because that, that shows remarkable insight for a young person going back to when you started out because most people when they're coming you know through college or out of college really don't have a clue what they want to do and they often end up in sales by accident or some other profession by accident because that's what they're offered or that's what their friends did um you seem to be much more deliberate in your your trajectory yeah i think it started when i was um in the late years of university, I, I did a bachelor's degree in public relations and then moved on to communication management as a master's degree. And this is this was kind of the transaction from presenting and crafting stories in a journalism way to uh, relate this to a business context. Uh, so to, to put this into mm -hmm. the into the aim and the goals of the organization, uh, so to say. And then I quickly realized that I wanted to uh, that this was much more fun because you have much more impact um, on, on the things you, you do and you create. Instead of um, yeah doing the, the the journalism part uh, as a focus, um, so um, yeah, th this was this was the main road to to pursue after college. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you, Tom, about storytelling. People who know me know I'm a huge fan of it, um, and you having that journalism communications background. Talk to me about where you see the parallels or the applications of storytelling as a concept and as a process and as a tool in sales that you've used and leveraged as both a seller and a leader. Yeah, I think the main skill that I identified in university, and uh, I think you, you learn a lot of things in university, but the main thing I took with me was that I'm very good at reducing complex things to down-to-earth stories. So it, it was the same in public relations. There are complex things. You have environmental PR, investor relations, and you have to really narrow it down without being um, exchangeable, without being mm. elusive. You have to really make something complex, graspable, graspable and in a, in, in a way that somebody can relate to it, understand it, and see what you're meaning and what you're getting at. And then mm. in a way that is um, rememberable. Yeah, so that was the main skill, and that is something that's very similar in public relations and in sales. When did you come to that realization about the power of communication in terms of, you, you talk about taking the complex and making it simple, and storytelling is a tool to do that, but again, from an insight perspective, that's a, that's a remarkable insight in the world that not a lot of people have either, uh, and I'm curious to know when that, when you came to the realization of, ah, that's it, that's how you communicate, that's how you influence people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's with standing in front of people and telling them 
something they have to listen to because out of context, out of a, of a class, of a, of a symposium, whatever, and you feel that they, they, they like to listen to you and they like to understand what you are telling them and it's not exchangeable and they don't want to skip it. Um, so uh, whenever you get feedback, and this can be in a one-to-one -one conversation, this can be in a classroom, this can be in a, in a pitch situation, uh, whenever you, there's something you create that sticks, and especially in a visual thing, a visual way, if you present it in a visual way that thinks, uh, yeah, I, I, I put in the effort to make it understandable for you, uh, and people respect that, and um, they, they follow this uh, the storyline then. And this is something I discovered in, in university and then followed through my whole career. Talk me through the process then using an example of, let's say there is a, a team meeting coming up, uh, maybe a kickoff, and you want to deliver a message to your team. What's the process that you go through in order to take the, the message, break it down, and then communicate it? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the process starts basically with the outcome. The, the overlying question is, what, what do I want to achieve? And I know I'm realistic. I know that there is not many... Um, that people are overwhelmed with information, that they're overwhelmed with, with, with their own stuff. So there is maybe one or two things that I can create in, in, in the end to, to really have them taken with, with them in, in, in their life. So I start with that. What is the one thing that I want to create? And then I have to build a way to this, to this storyline. I can't just throw it at them. I have to build a way to, to make them understand it, where, where, where it goes, whether it's, for example, a, a common... Um, a common theme or it's a, a bit of functionality in the sales way, some kind of pain solving. Um, you have to really start with what is the outcome? What is the final message that I want them to have? If they have understood one thing, one sentence, what would it be? And then I start crafting the story backwards. And when you say crafting the story, are you looking to real life experiences from the business world, your own personal stories, analogies, metaphors? Are there specific tools that you use in order to Gotta connect the dots for them. Yeah, analogies are very good. Um, they're oftentimes a bit simple, so you have to really tie the knot to 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 create this feeling of connectedness to the real problem or to the topic that you want to relate. But this is, of course, a very um, mm. useful way. I also like the visual presentation because humans are visual uh, beings. We like to remember images and uh, and the logos and so forth. So I, I really put an emphasis on doing this in a in a, in a way where this is rememberable. This can be to just draw it out what you what you like to convey you have uh, all tools digitally to to present nice things um, so this is also a very important aspect of doing this in a way that people think okay this is something i like to look at it i can remember mm -hmm. this um, and of course you have to re-emphasize a lot so you have to repeat and you have to make the statement that this is important because otherwise it's it gets um yeah lost in the noise mm. makes perfect sense tom uh who would you say inspires you a lot? Who inspires me a lot? Um, I can't really pinpoint this down to, to one person. I, I, I'm um, I'm inspired by by people who are humble in their in their in their communication in their um, in their outreach. So whenever a person is able to do things easy but doesn't do it in an easy way, but it goes the hard way, the the the. the the more complex road, but it does it in a way because it makes more sense or it's more purposeful. This is something that inspires me. This can be in, in sports, this can be in, in, in social work, in, in politics. And whenever someone is uh, going out of their way to help another being, another person, or just uh, is trying to do influence something with, with a good intention behind it, this is, I think, impacting me. And this is happening 
more often than not in, in the world, uh, although it's, uh, it's not only visible, always visible, but um, there are a lot of good people out there and uh, yeah, we can learn a lot from each other. That is maybe the main message. Interesting. So I understand it. what you're saying is people who put the effort in and do the right thing, not necessarily people who look for shortcuts and easy answers. That, that's what you're saying? Or exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This can be someone who, who greets you out of the way in an uncommon way on the street or someone who, who puts the extra effort in to take 30 minutes longer to understand what you're really doing. It can be in every aspect of life because at the end, we are all humans. We talk to people and um, we really have to, um, we can make it, we can make the life easy for ourselves and, and focus just on ourselves. But this is not the way we progress as, as a whole. If there was a person outside of your own network, your own circle, that you'd love to spend an evening with, having dinner with, chatting to, does anybody come to mind? <laughs> Maybe in a, in a very, um, in an open way, uh, more in a, in a visible way. I, for example, what I, what I was going for the, um, for the humbleness and a good example that is very common known is I think Keanu Reeves, who is a very famous actor who has a lot of money and a lot of influence, but really behaves in a very down to earth way with, with all he's doing and all he's behaving. So, um, yeah, I would like to, 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 to talk and spend time with him on, on his worldview. So to say, uh, if you would, if I would pick one, one of the, publicly known figures. I like that. He also has a fantastic collection of motorbikes. <laughs> yes, that's true. He, he's, he's so much into him, I believe. He's actually invested in a company making custom motorbikes for people, which, uh, yeah, I find I just find interesting that somebody, again, in his position would be so down to earth. Um, it's an example of it. Um, I want to talk to you, Tom, about your your own sales journey in terms of what it was like as you said you didn't start out you said quite the contrary because your father had been in sales and so you didn't set out to be in sales so i wanted to understand what it was like for you and what attracted you to stay in it and stay the course and grow into a leadership uh, role mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i was i was really lucky to to start my career in this uh, sap sales academy because this was really an out of the ordinary program to to um, help young talents go into this world of software sales into this broad uh, complex uh, uh, business context so i was really lucky to start there and uh, this was then motivating me to to to, to stay in, in this role and to start out and then after i think it takes a quite some time in sales to get the hang of it. If you get a lot, a lot of negative feedback, which you're not used to, because a lot of people say no to you, a lot of people don't react to your engagements. And this is not a, a nice way to start a career where everything is cushy. Uh, it's, it's hard, really hard to start in sales, especially if you're new and you start with low accounts, low touch accounts and low potential accounts. And then after a time you, you, you take these really good experiences and you build your your mentality around this and this motivates you to go on and then after a couple of years you get the hang of it and then you know how to um, react to certain feedbacks and you know how to react to people and uh, how to convey a message that's appealing to them and brings them value and uh, once you reach this stage um, this is a very rewarding job and you can really make an impact at people um, at pe and people's lives at their daily doing at their strategy at their thoughts and, and this is what motivating what's motivates me to to keep on and mm. do this yeah i wanted to talk to you a little bit tom about the inner game you mentioned about 
the, the game of business and the rules, but talk to me about the inner game, how you stay motivated, how you stay focused on the goals and on the tasks in front of you, because that's, that's difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. So when I, when I started in, um, or when I wanted to, when I first started to what, what I want to be, I always thought about doing something in a project kind of way, like start with something. And after a couple of uh, months or years, you have something finished and put it in the shelf. And this is this, uh, there's a, a, a big uh, green light on it. And then you move on to the next one. And um, I think in sales, this is very um, appealing because you are, you're very numbers driven, you're very measurable, and you can put in uh, a sign or a number to anything you do. Like uh, your quota is, of course, one thing, but uh, how many prospects did you reach, how many interactions you have, so you can measure anything you do and then you can categorize it and, and analyze it. And uh, as I'm a very analytical person, um, this helps me in structuring things and then building uh, a roadmap. And then after business here, you can uh, you can make the review and say what went well, what went not so well, and then you can really progress. You have a real fact-based situation where you can evolve yourself and progress to the next level and evolve. And this is something I really cherish about this work because you think in evolving yourself because you have to be out there and talk to people. You can't um, hide and you have to be out there. You have to know about topics. You have to speak with people and learn a lot. So you progress as a person uh, and this is very motivating. When you talk about progressing as a person, where when you look back, do you feel that you needed to work on the most? You said you're a very analytical person, so mm -hmm. that might come naturally to me. I guess what I'm asking is, what were the areas of sales that didn't come naturally to you that you had to work hard on? Um, the the hardest thing I think was um, as a salesperson to to get this kind of curiosity that you have for your own interest, but you have to reflect this on the other person. So you have to mirror this curiosity on the other person to really build something that is interesting for them. So put them in uh, yourself in their shoes. Uh, and since you have to talk to a lot of different business functions, um, it's quite hard to, to get your eyes on the kind of a controlling view or an HR view or a supply chain view uh, and really start what is really driving them and what is motivating them as it mot motivates me in, in my kind of uh, interest. And, this transfer is hard because you have to really um, think a lot about what's what's going on, um, and this was something yeah that that took some time. But uh, after uh, the the only way to to really create this and get there is to to spend time with people and to see that behind every business function is a person who is interested in not only the business but also other things, and then it's much easier to connect to to them. I love that term you use about mirroring your own curiosity because. Very often the way it's presented, and I've been guilty of this myself, is where you say, look, you've got to get outside yourself. You've got to uh, not make it about you, but make it about the other person. But what I'm hearing from you is that you could, it's not really such a binary thing. It's just extending your own natural curiosity about yourself and your world as you see it, but just extend that curiosity into other people's domains and other people's realms from a business and personal perspective. And I really like yeah. that. It kind of makes it a nice, easy way. To, again, you're making the complex nice and simple. <laughs> yeah, at the end, um, you also have to bring something to the conversation, right? Uh, the, the, the person you're speaking to is also interested in you as a being because at the end, we, we like to do business with people we like and uh, with, it's easy, easy to do with. Uh, and so we have to, to have to be interesting and bring something. 
Now, that's great. I, I, this is really interesting because there's a line there between talking to, you know, about yourself, which who care, you know, to a point who cares, but also allowing them to, to get to know you. And, and, and where's that line for you? How do you make it so that you're interesting to them, but not boring or not making it about yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm from northern part of Germany. I'm um, by nature very calm and very quiet. So uh, uh, it takes a bit of time. So I listen a lot at first to people and then ask, I ask questions because uh, I really like to know more about what's, what's driving them um, to also reflect on is this something that would motivate me can i understand this can i relate to this and then you have to i think really um yeah um, not overwhelmingly uh, reinforce everything they say but ask the right questions at the right time to to really um help them also reflect on their selves with what they are doing and um, this is kind of a natural one-to-one -one situation and uh, um, you build trust with that because you're not only interesting in the because you should be interested but uh, you really try to look behind the the first curtain or the, the, the first uh, image of the person you see how do you use storytelling in that environment to build trust and build relationships uh, so storytelling, I, I learned uh, what, what helps me in storytelling is that uh, if you have traveled a lot um, and I try to travel a lot during my during my time, um, uh, when you see other people, other countries, other situations, you have a lot to tell because uh, when you just go through the world with open eyes, there is so much that's, that happens that you have never thought of or never experienced. You meet people, you have situations that are funny, that are critical, that are worthwhile to tell. And then... Um, yeah, they will come naturally in situations oh. where I talk to people and then you can build a story. I had something similar in this context and, oh, have you tried this in, in this city? And, oh, we've been in the same city. And then this is a good a good way to relate to people because it opens up the, the horizon. Oh. Talk to me about your, your transition into sales leadership. A lot of people find that they were surprised by how different it is as a role and had to grow into it. And I'm curious to know what it was like for you. Yeah, it's a, it's really a complete different job. And being a good salesperson does not mean that you're a good sales leader. It, it really is something different. It's another job. And many people pursue it because they think it's the natural next career step. And this is something you have to do. Otherwise, you're not good. And this is completely wrong because um, being a sales leader is much more about uh, helping others to cherish uh, accomplishments and to be good. And um, you have to really think in a different way and you have to really take a step back and let the others do this stuff and be good at it. And you have to help them, push them in the right directions without doing everything yourself. So when I started in sales leadership, I the, the, the hardest thing for me first was to let go, to let others do their things in their pace and their way without uh, me um, doing too much and uh, saying, I would do it this way, uh, let's do it this way. Um, but after a couple of... Uh, month this this faded and then it really became about making the team successful and then uh, doing your part uh, to to make them successful i have no personal experience of this but i've often wondered is is it even possible so imagine you've got a team and you want to promote somebody from within the team to a new leadership position over that same team Often the temptation is to take the best person from a sales perspective and promote them. Everybody will go, yep, yeah, they were good at sales. They, they've earned it. 
But what if somebody who is an average seller, but you identify them as somebody who has really strong leadership potential? What if you promote them? Does that not upset the people who might have been better salespeople who are now working for this other person? Is that possible? Or does somebody like that really have to leave the company or go to a different department in order to... Uh, grow as a leader and and fulfill that function yeah it's it's a good question it's always a complex situation when you promote someone from within the team and um, uh, naturally there's an order where people perceive where they would be good so you really have to um, take this to 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 one-on-one level and explain what this job includes and if you're the best salesperson you're used to being on the front line and to shine and to get all the rewards and the nice little gimmicks that you perceive and um, if you if you have the conversation and say this is no longer happening for you you have to you have to really help others like uh, the the middle guys uh, to to shine and then it's no longer about you and are you ready to give that up Um, and and then you realize quickly that they are in for the achievements and then they're in for the recognition but they're not in for the for the administration and for the management and for the coaching and then it's not Mm -hmm. the right role for them and not the right fit and then they realize this is not a promotion where i just get another star on my shoulder and then i do the same thing as previously no, it's another job. It's another responsibility because you have to really step up and do something that helps everybody to perceive. That last one minute, I know, is an automatic clip that I'm going to take out of this video and put it on LinkedIn. That's gold. I think everybody needs to hear that. It's it's succinct and it's concise and it's perfect. You know, I couldn't couldn't agree more. It's perfect. Um, talk to me about what you'd like to do Tom, if you weren't doing this, or maybe maybe think forward a few years. Let's say you wanted to leave the corporate world. What would you like to do? Yeah, that's a good question. So if you get a, a million dollar ticket or a bit of Bitcoin that was left on the hard drive, um, what, what would you do? <laughs> now we're going to find... <laughs> now we're going to find people going around stealing hard drives everywhere <laughs> looking for <laughs> fragments of bitcoins <laughs> yeah oh. it, will be, it will be hard but uh, yeah yeah not, so, not, we're not mining for bitcoins anymore we're just stealing laptops because mining is too difficult yeah oh. too expensive so, sorry please I, I, I'm sorry for the distraction sorry question was what would you like to do yeah if you're financially independent yeah so if i would uh, i think i would spend a lot of time with my family um help uh, the 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 family uh, strive and thrive in, in their ways so this is of course a, a motivation that i think everybody has if you have a lot of free time but then um you have to find i think uh, a thing that you're still good at it because as human beings we all intrinsically motivated to be good at something and this can can be sports this can be art this can be i don't know expertise in a very field that you're interested in and i think a big part of this would be then giving back like doing something that helps other uh, people uh, who are in need uh, other people who are not that fortunate um, so the, the, the main thing would be to, to really be your own boss of your schedule and you can pick and choose your time where you where would, um, would, would make the most impact for yourself. Yeah. That sounds like a prayer you could say every night. Oh, I just love to have that time. Yeah, um, I like it. I really do. Um, tell me, I'm just, I'm just curious, Tom, as, as you're speaking, 
you grew up in Germany. You're working in Switzerland. Um, is it Zurich, isn't it? You're in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's, so it's German speaking. Is there what? Not is there. What are the as you perceive them? Maybe to say the cultural differences uh, in that in 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 German Switzerland versus growing up in Germany. Um, yeah, there are definitely cultural differences because um, although it's very close and the you know, the language is officially German, uh, it's not Germany, and this is something I think a lot of people who move from other countries, especially Germany, underestimate. Uh, this is a known country with their own culture and their own uh, rules of engagement, so to say. Um, so uh, I, I, when I started here, I tried to behave like I w was behaving when I was in America or when I moved to other countries. You really have to, to um, understand the culture. And of course, the Switzerland is, has a very interesting culture. It's very diverse with a lot of uh, known languages that you have been exposed to, but uh, they are mixed in a different way. So um, you have to, to really be aware that this is not uh, another state you moved in, but another country with their own people and their own traditions and, and force of uh, way of way of way of life. Um, this is very important to keep in mind, and you have to do this every day, um, because uh, I'm very fortunate to be here in Switzerland. I'm very thankful to be here, uh, and uh, you have to be aware that this is really um, a situation that's uh, a gift to learn from from other people and from their mm. habits. Mm. How is everyday life different? Just the normal kind of interactions of work and shopping and doing your going about your business. How is that different? Mm. So I think um, as Germans, we are on the in the cultural scale in the cultural scale on the uh, on the directedness very much at the top. So every country that you're visiting is not that direct. Um, again, I'm from northern Germany. There is also more reservedness here, um, so I'm not that direct in everything. This helps, of course, um, but um, you have to quickly understand that although you, you understand the people and you talk to them, uh, you can't react as you would do in a normal way. So you have, uh, you have to really think, you have to be, I think the people are more polite here, um, the people are greeting more. Um, of course, this is uh, something um, that's also happening because it's a smaller area, smaller country. Um, but uh, yeah, the, you have to be more aware of your surroundings, I would say. And uh, people are much more uh, looking at each other and then uh, helping out for each other. For example, when I moved here in, into uh, this new uh, area, uh, people are much more interested in who you are and what you're doing. And in many parts, especially in big cities, uh, this is uh, not often the case. Mm. Let's go back to work for a second. I want you to imagine that you're at your own retirement party. And so whatever, 20 years from now, that is. And some somebody who's now on the academy program, just coming into the organization, comes to you and says, Tom, you're a legend around here. People talk about you as you know one of the best leaders they've ever had. What would what advice could you, I'd like to be like you? What advice would you give me? What advice would you give that young person to be, grow into and become a great leader in an organization? So you have to, you have to do a, in sales and in the business life, I think there are three main things that you have to, to incorporate and you often get track or get lost, lose track on them. And you have to really remind yourself uh, like you're on the first day of your of your job, uh, you have to be very curious. 
sometimes you tend to lose this curiosity when you are working on the same thing for years. You have to really motivate yourself to be curious. You have to be um, you have to be assertive uh, with everything you do. So this is very important to to really um, stay on this what you're doing, and you have to um, a high level of perseverance. Um, so you have to really motivate yourself and follow through on this. Uh, and if you are able to do this uh, your your whole work life and not get lost in a comfortable way because also in work life you build a comfort zone everything is going well and then you do focus on other parts of your life um, you really have to stay curious with everything you do and um, if you then take the time to help other people who are maybe not really relevant for your day-to-day -day work because they are just starting their career and they're in another department but you take the time to help them uh, and and then they are growing and leveraging their potential and you see that uh, from then from afar or maybe a bit closer in future that's really rewarding and uh, if i'm at my retirement party some in some years uh, i would really see to a lot of people that i had uh, impact with in terms of coaching in terms of mentoring guiding and helping them navigate through their early stage of career and then uh, to give back on everything that i experienced in my life and on my progression in what you're doing currently tom what's motivating you the most Motivating me the most is definitely building up something uh, with a team that's that's growing with something that we can be proud of to form some kind of team spirit that everybody um, help, is helping each other and uh, this is that it's not only a work relation where you have your colleagues and then um, you, you you leave that but that people connect under under the leadership you provide and people are becoming friends and helping each other out in in each uh, way that's possible. Yeah? This is motiv motivating me the most definitely. When you think back in your career, is there anything you'd do differently? Or, yeah, do differently, I guess. Um, yeah, I would take it, I would take it easy. Um, because at the start of your career, you try to, to, to rush into things and to be fast and to, to collect awards and achievements. Um, and you often don't really appreciate in what kind of favorable situation you're in when you're in sales you get to travel a lot you get to meet other people and rushing from meeting to meeting and to next uh, deal so to say and opportunity um, i would take it a bit uh, more easy to to um, take the time to reflect and uh, relax what i would not do change though is that i would still ask a lot of questions i started uh, when i uh, in my career and i asked everybody i try to especially in it I love software. I'm motivated by, by getting to know things about software and how people use it. But mm. um, I always asked into the, especially internally, the colleagues, why is it like this? Why does it work like this? Not to repeat it to the customer, but to really understand how, how mm. this was intended to, to help other people and what's the function and what's the use of this? Because only with understanding the use, I can somehow convey it in a way where the value is seen by someone who has never experienced this and never seen this because at the end people don't want to use and buy the functions they want to buy the outcomes that they can get with this mm. you sound to me like you have an insatiable appetite to learn new things yeah definitely um i'm i'm very much interested in learning um in experiencing other uh situations other things um so I, I read a lot i think 
for for what I can spare from my time. Um, try to stay on top with everything that's happening, and also, yeah, take some time to to look into other areas um, that are happening in in the business world. So SAP is a big company with a lot of departments and a lot of areas uh, of, of development, and I try to to at least look once or two, twice a month into all the other areas that we're having. Um, maybe another business line or another product line to really understand why we're doing this and what's the direction into towards we go as a company and also the industry goes. What sort of achievement, experience, something that you did that you think none of your colleagues knows about you? What, what, maybe one thing. Everybody has something in their past that they did. It might have been, I don't know, singing opera. And somebody told me they sang opera in front of the Queen of England, right? Nobody knows about that. Have you got something like that that you reckon that nobody knows about you? That, or that they'd be surprised to hear? Um, I'm a very, uh, uh, once I get to know people, I'm a very open guy. So um, there's not much of secrecy that I carry along with me. Um, so uh, I've never sung in front of the Queen. That would be uh, not my <laughs> not my game, I think. Yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah. Many people are already surprised by my career and uh, that I started with communications. And actually, I, I wrote my master's thesis about computer games uh, because there was a kind of tangible software that I that I saw that it was real. Measurable and uh, yeah, uh, writable, so I started off with this, and then I quickly moved uh, to the to the business industry and the software. Yeah? Where there's also a lot of software that gets used a bit more, I would say, mm. from from times of hours spent on working with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and this is yeah. also again tying to to having an impact on people's lives. Communication seems to me to be a an interesting, maybe in my mind, almost strange. Not, a, not strange in a bad way, strange in an interesting way uh, to go into when you're an analytical type person. I'm trying mm. to kind of bring those two together. And very often in communications, people who go into communications, uh, at least the stereotype is they're not very analytical. They're very lateral thinking, very creative. Mm -hmm. And so help me understand how you bring those two worlds together. <laughs> So I, I don't know uh, if many people did this, but when we were in school, like in the second grade, we went to the, um, the, the, uh, the, the city and then we had a test in, in some of the uh, work-related buildings and we did a test on what would your future job be and you had to put in everything that you normally do and how you would behave in certain situations and my, uh, my outcome was higher administration. And I think I was a bit shocked by this because I, from my side, yeah, maybe this is something that I would be good in, but this is nothing, nothing that I would be striving in, uh, thriving in. So, um, because I, I always think that you, um, you evolve better if you're out of your comfort zone and yes, uh, moving into the communication area and then moving into sales was also always a stretch for me in terms of moving out of your comfort zone. But, um, it is much more rewarding to, to do like, to do this and uh, do something you've never done, done before and try to, uh, get out of this uh, area where you feel comfor comfortable and secure mm. because there's where the growth happened. And, um, yeah, it's a bit cliche, but it's really true. Um, try to experience yeah. new things. You will get rewarded and yeah. uh, it will play I'm, out. I'm, I'm wondering if there's some, I'm trying to think of the right word. Conflict is too strong a word, but maybe a misalignment that when we talk about nature and nurture, that 
some part of your nature is highly creative but in your environment in in how you grew up that there was something different that gave you a not a different outlook i'm just wondering maybe it's me maybe maybe it is possible to to be strong in analytics and communications i'm just wondering is 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 there is it nature and nurture thing i don't know yeah, it's just it's an unusual combination. Yeah, it might be an unusual combination. It's mm. true, um, but yeah. uh, for me, it's always uh, if I if I put the time into uh, something, I would I would like to have a second opinion on this, and to get a second opinion, yeah. I have to really quickly speed someone up on the on the work I have put in there to come to this conclusion. So I have to yeah. really quickly um, uh, lay out my way of thinking and how I reach this conclusion to 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 get the the second opinion on this. Okay. No, I I, I take that. I because I, I can see it, and uh, it's it's probably why you're in the position you're in today is that you have th those those dual skill sets that um, people tend to be in one or the other, and it's great, you know. Um, anyway, let me move on because uh, I'm going down a rabbit hole on this. Uh, what? Do, yes, I wanted to ask you this question, Tom. If you were minister for education and you could make any one subject mandatory in the higher schools you you know in germany you do the arbiter and that hochschule now, hochschule is a, like a is, is is that secondary or or university the hochschule would be the equivalent to college college okay so before university. that when you're say yeah. six, 15 16 what's that called uh, gymnasium uh, Gymnas gymnasium a... thank you yes yeah. sorry I, I couldn't remember the gymnasium um, if, if for that curriculum if you could mm -hmm. make mandatory one subject what would it be and why hmm. um, so there are two answers I would give so I would uh, I would first of all um, invest a lot of time into um, education in terms of real life business education for the people so uh, that, that there is no barrier for them to 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 move into this in the after in their in their lives uh, when they start working like how to do their taxes how to plan for retirement how to save money how to have a business plan how to start a business all these ideas to motivate people to start doing their own um, passion because nowadays you can start your your Instagram or YouTube business um, with a bit of motivation and, and the resources you get online so uh, I would motivate more people to to follow their own passion because my understanding is if you are good at some if you're motivated and follow something you will be good at it and because it's mm. your passion it's your life you will be putting hours and hours into it and then there's a little very little chance that this is not going uh, into direction mm you really want mm. so that would be something i would definitely motivate people because the basics are very unknown to many people when especially in, in school um, and the other emphasis would be um, to divide a lot more time into into project work like um, social projects or um, projects that uh, that are yeah, helping people on, on the other part of the world um, i myself did a voluntary year of civil service after school um, as a replacement for the civil service for the military service in germany mm -hmm. when it was back then uh, mandatory uh, and in this time uh, you, you learn a bit of um, looking out of this 
what is the next step? What is my motivation? How is how can it be the best? You you really have time to look left and right, um, to to see how, how other people are living their lives, and that everybody has their own uh, way of doing things and their own horizon on on what's important to them. And this helps to reflect on uh, okay, is this really that what I want? Is this the best for me, or is it the best I would like to put in my CV? You mentioned the the mandatory service, and I remember I spent a lot of time in Germany traveling during the eighties, and it was mandatory back then. I, I don't, when did the mandatory phase end? I think it was five years after my so in the two thousand tens somehow. So okay. Do you think it's a good thing to have a mandatory service, whether that's military or some sort of social service option? Do you think it's a good thing? Yeah, the discussion is uh, rising, uh, unfortunately, again, through uh, very sad circumstances again mm. in Germany. Um, I think it's it's a good um, it's a good thing because it gives people the um, so to say the, uh, the 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 okay to step out of this um, curriculum for half a year, and I think half a year would be definitely a, a good time frame and then make it for everybody so everybody has to do something they have not thought of doing uh, and uh, it would definitely help this the society because people would more think about other situations other people's uh, situation in lives uh, and not uh, yeah be stuck in their own kind of views because mm -hmm. i think for a lot of people it changes a, a lot of behaviors and in, in thinking mm. Yeah, I like it. I, 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 we've never had it here in Ireland, so I have no experience of it. And but I'm very curious about it because with friends and people I travel with, and not just in Germany and France, um, I was always curious about it and wanted to understand. Um, my my natural reaction would be to push against it because it was mandatory. Mm -hmm. But I. As, as I grow older, I can see huge values in terms of giving people a sense of purpose, but also an insight into life outside of their own little bubbles. And so yeah, I definitely. would agree. Yeah. And it can be in, in multiple ways. It can be in a social way, in a, it can be in a military way, it can be in a, a crisis-averting way where you help with floods and, and environmental crisis. It can be in an environmental way where you help nature projects. So it doesn't have to be the typical... Um, two-way street, do I uh, go to a yeah. retirement home or do I go to the military, right? There are yeah, many uh, ways where you can help. Yeah, and I think, and I know I'm going to sound like an old fart here, but uh, I think now, given that people, and all of us, I'm as guilty as anybody, spend so much of our lives in these things that it gets us out from behind this un unreality that exists in here and uh, experienced re real world. I think it's good. Exactly, because uh, if you just follow uh, the, the social media world, um, you get the idea that you have to be the best and everything is going well all the time for everybody. And this is definitely not the case. And this is also something that creates a lot of depression, especially in young people. Uh, and it would really help to see and experience this in a way that uh, not everything is good. And uh, But if you, if you pull together and you are okay with uh, realizing that not everything has to be okay all the time, then you're much more in a, in a, in a healthy mm. environment. Mm. Mm. What do you like to do, Tom, when you're not at work to unwind and relax? 
I like to travel a lot um, with my wife. We, we like to um, travel through the USA a lot um, because uh, I think America is, is, a, is a great country, especially if you like to travel. There's so beautiful nature in there, so much. Uh, so it, it, it's so easy to, to go from A to B and uh, have a nice uh, experience in, in, the, in the national parks and so forth. Yeah, traveling is definitely something that takes a lot of time and unfortunately also a lot of money. Um, so um, now with moving Ooh. to Switzerland, uh, you see it. Uh, um, I like to uh, explore the country. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great place and I hope to have a, more time to, to yeah. move around here and uh, explore this country now. Yeah. What's your favorite place in the US that you've been to and what place would you like to go to that you've not been? So my first place is California. I could drive the uh, Highway One, which is on the on the on the, uh, on the West Coast, uh, uh, up and down from San Diego to San Francisco. I could do this, I think, my whole life, <laughs> moving there. Um, I would really like to go in the um, not so um, common areas, like the the, the Northwestern Territory, um, in, in the 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 area where there is uh, a lot of nothing, but a lot of so to say freedom. We drive hours and hours. Like Montana, um, then, Idaho, that area? Yeah, exactly. Because I've, I've been driving Ooh. from San Diego to New York with, uh, on the southern road. Um, uh, that was the common route, I think. But now I want to see the, the less explored parts and yeah. the less. I, I was very fortunate. My brother lived in Twin Falls in Idaho. And I went to visit him and spend a couple of weeks up in that part of the world. And it is their greatest best kept secret it is incredible it's such a beautiful place mm. the mountain ranges the lakes they're just crystal clear and uh, probably i mean you get these in switzerland too but there's something about the expanse i think in switzerland everything is compressed into such a small area but in the states yeah. it's, it's it's the same beauty but it's just just on, on a different scale and uh, so yeah <laughs> if you ever get a chance i certainly idaho i've not been to montana but idaho is a beautiful part of the world and uh, but as I said there's so much to explore where you are right now as well and what, what do you have a hobby that goes with traveling like skiing or something else um, that goes with it now we um, film and art I think so um, typical uh, moving uh, visiting cinemas and uh, yeah, art uh, collections and so forth so we try to do this also um, when traveling um, to to see what what's what's uh, offered there in terms of local uh, art and local uh, history. I'm a huge history fan, so I read a lot about history because I, it helps me to to understand uh, how the things are now and why uh, there are so many different worldviews and there are so many different mm. uh, things that are happening that are not logically for us in our hemisphere in our world. So yeah, this is uh, it comes if you also. Could go, it, being a history buff. If you could go back to any period in history for a few months just to experience it, and then you can come back again, where would you go? What and, and again, you can travel in time as well. Obviously, it's history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For from an observer perspective, obviously, I, I, I cherish everything that we have accomplished uh, with our uh, scientific world in terms of vaccinations and healthcare and so forth. But if I could just have a look at it, I would. Um, interested be interested to look into the napoleonic area how the whole of europe was really taken upside down and uh, if you read every european history uh, country's history you find something that's were impacted by this uh, by, by this time where the world was 
put upside down with of course a lot of bad things happening but from a perspective yeah the the area from the french revolution to to the end of the napoleonic napoleonic area would be mm. interesting in terms of yeah. impact on everybody in europe that's interesting because the world has been upside you your term the world has been upside down many many times and we often think it won't go upside down again but that's probably uh naive thinking yeah if you yeah. if you uh, I've read any history book that spans uh, across a, a couple of hundred or thousand years. You you see that what we are experiencing here is uh, has been uh, out of out of the ordinary completely, and we have been very very lucky um, to experience and live in this time. Mm, for Definitely. sure, for sure. A couple of final questions before I let you go, Tom. Uh, your house is burning down. Your family are safe. If you have any pets, they're safe. That's good. And, yeah. your and of course your phone and, and your computer, they're safe. <laughs> but you have time to run back into your house to grab one thing and rescue it. What would it be? Oh, quick decision. Uh, um, mm. Currently, I think definitely my, my working laptop because this would take the, <laughs> the most time. I you see, I remember, the, I, sorry, I took that away. Your, your laptop is safe. I said your laptop and your phone are safe. Can't be those. Okay. So, um, piece of art or something like that's you have to really think hardly because i am not a very materialistic guy mm. and from terms of um keepsakes you have no time, you have no time to think paul or tom your house is burning down now yeah then <laughs> i think i'm happy with my family being safe you're happy all right good stuff and then final question tom when your time on this planet is done and there's a book written about your life, what would you like the title to be? Oh, this is a, a hard question. Um, well, I, I would I would not like it to be. Uh, well, this did not turn out. Um, <laughs> uh, but let me let me think a second. Um, um, so I think. Uh, a title I could live with was uh, my name and then just the phrase, a good life. I'll take that, Tom. I like that. Tom, look, thank you so much for being my guest today. Absolutely fascinating journey. And uh, I wish you much more success in, in, in the coming years. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me today. Have a nice day. Okay, I'm just going to cut it there, Tom. Let me pause it to, just to hit the